Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Come on, will you give Jesus a shout of praise tonight? Jesus, we love you. We lift you up. We magnify you. We declare there's nobody like you. There's nobody but you. That, Lord, you're high and lifted up in Iowa tonight. You're high and lifted up in the Midwest, in the United States of America, and in the nations of the earth. And, Lord, we know that if you would be high and lifted up, you would draw all men, all people to yourself. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that this is a season where I'm drawing you in to the deeper things, the greater things. But I'm also bringing you into the places that you thought were off limits. For I'm going to cause you to seem and to feel like you're drowning in the depths of my love and the depths of my heart. For indeed, I've created dimensions of my heart just for you. And there is an awakening that's coming, but there's also an awakening that's here. And both begin with the awareness of my presence upon my people. And the Lord says that I'm getting ready to release keys that would begin to unlock doors that had been previously closed. For the Lord said that even though it seemed like doors had closed, the heavens have remained open. And the Lord said that I've set you apart as a region. I've set you apart as a state of those that would raise up fiery revivalists that would go to the ends of the earth. For the Lord says that I've anointed you to be a state that leaves the 99 to go after the one. For the Lord says that there's a reason why I put you in the center. There's a reason why I put you in the center. For the Lord says that I'm going to cause my heart to beat out of this place and out of this region. And the Lord says that I'm getting ready to cause there to be not only the sound of a mighty rushing wind, but the evidence thereof. For I'm turning things over. I'm turning stones over. I'm leaving no no stone left unturned where you are concerned. And the Lord says that this is going to be a season where I'm going to begin to release like a holy highlighter over the state of Iowa. For the Lord says you're not just going to be known as a state that has the first primary, but the Lord says I'm going to make you a primary state. For the Lord says I'm anointing you to go first. For the Lord says get your running shoes on. For this is a season of resting while you're running with me and running while you're resting with me. For the Lord says that I'm releasing a sound. Uh, it's going to almost sound like the trees of the field are clapping their hands. I'm going to release a sound that's going to seem like even the corn stalks are, are clapping their hands. For the Lord says I'm going to cause creation to rise up and praise me. And the Lord says that this is a season of turning hearts through those that would walk and live out burning hearts. And I just felt like the Lord said that the university system uh, uh, in the state of Iowa and in the University of Iowa and Iowa State and, and little uh, community colleges, the Lord says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to release a convergence of revival. For the Lord says that I'm going to begin to cause there to be an awakening, not just of the, many will come to have their mind awakened, but in turn, they're going to get their heart awakened. For the Lord says that I'm going to anoint uh, even those that in the educational system uh, of this state to begin to ask questions. To not just ask questions of the higher ups, but to actually ask questions to inquire of the Lord. And I just felt like the Lord said that this is a season where I'm bringing people out of obscurity and hiddenness. For there have been some that have felt overlooked or passed by simply by the geography they were born in. But did I not cause my son to be born in Bethlehem and not Jerusalem? Did I not cause my son to be born in a, laid in a manger and not in a cathedral? 
Did I not come to the lowest places? For the Lord says that this is going to be a season where I begin to birth things out of what people had thought and seemed was obscurity. For the Lord says that I move even upon a stable before I moved upon the steeple. And I believe what the Lord is saying in that is simply this, is that the Lord is about to go to the hidden places and to those that are being found faithful as David was found faithful, taking care of the sheep of his father. And the Lord says that I'm causing many people to begin to almost have, uh, I felt like there's an epiphany moment that's about to take place in the church uh, in this state. And I just, uh, I know there's a movement called Hold the Line, but I saw like a plumb line over the state of Iowa, over the church. And I feel like the Lord is about to release, even tonight as faith was exhorting us uh, about holiness, uh, I feel like there's a plumb line of holiness being released over this state and over this region. And so, Lord, we say yes to your word, Lord. We say yes to what you've promised, Lord. We know that, Lord, all of your promises are yes and in you, amen. And so, Lord, we say amen to what you said yes to. We say amen to what you said yes to. Come on, we say amen to what you said yes to. We say amen to what you said yes to. Lord, I thank you right now for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, it's great to be with you tonight in Ankeny, Iowa. Who'd have thunk it? Now, I have a confession to make. I'm a recovering Chicagoan. Go Cubs. Right? We got one thing right. We, we, we raise up people right in the, uh, you know, in the, in our, in the, in the minor leagues here in Iowa and, um, uh, and and so uh, so I'm a recovering Chicagoan. Don't hold that against me. I got out of there as quick as I could. Okay. Now I I actually uh, grew up there, and uh, I have a heart for for that city because I believe where the enemy tries to invade and disrupt the most is a hint of where God really wants to move. I like to say it like this: If you want to know what God's about to do, look at what the enemy's trying to do. It explains a lot, doesn't it? If you want to know what God's about to do, look at what the enemy's trying to do. So in the midst of all of this global pandemic stuff, it tells me that the Lord's about to release an outpouring of the, uh, of the healing anointing and a healing revival that's going to sweep through the nations of the earth. And in the midst of all kinds of unrest, the Lord's going to bring his rest and his peace. In the midst of all of the division and all of the isms, it tells me this, that God's about to move with, with a movement of unity within the body of Christ, unity without compromise, that, that is actually causes us to go kingdom over culture. It, it tells me that in the midst of everything that's happening, that God isn't just uh, in control, he's also in charge. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that he's not just reacting and responding, but he's actually ruling and reigning? I think sometimes we, we forget about that. Sometimes I believe even in our prayer life, we're praying to somehow, if I, if I can somehow eloquently say the right words and move the, I can move the heart of God that will cause his hand to move, when the fact is that our, our job in prayer is actually to partner with what he's already established. Does that make sense to you? So, so can I tell you something, that, that God wants revival in Iowa and the Midwest and the United States of America and the nations of the earth even more than we do. In fact, he's already having it. Let, let me say that again. I'm not trying to give you riddles tonight. Is that God is already having revival. He, 
he's already in the midst of it. But I have this keen sense that, that we're not recognizing it because it doesn't look like what we've seen in the past. Do you know more people are actually being born again than being born right now? That's, that's a true statistic. More people are being born again than being born right now. How many of that's good news? While we're here tonight in Ankeny, Iowa, 35,000 people will give their lives to Jesus in mainland China in, the, in this week. How many know that's good news? It's the news you're not hearing on all of the news channels, but it's good news. And I'm sharing this with you is because when I'm in talking to missionologists, talking to people in Bible translation fields, is they actually believe that in the next three to five years, every unreached people group will be reached. That the Bible will actually be translated and uh, the Gospels will be translated in every known tongue and dialect in the next few years. I'm not telling you that Jesus is coming back in the next three or five years, but I am telling you this, that, that the Lord is getting ready to come to his church before he comes for his church. <clears throat> He's coming to his church before he comes for his church. There's an awakening, there's a cleansing, there's all kinds of amazing things that he's doing. And why I'm sharing this with you is that we have to actually get our eyes on the eternal and let the eternal speak to the internal. I've walked through a season of grief in the last few years and especially in the last nine months. My mom went home to be with the Lord. She was my hero and my intercessor and, and I, could, I could do a lot of things but I could never outrun my mama's prayers. And so I'm, I didn't lose my mom. I know exactly where she is, and I know how to get there. It just takes a little time, right? And, and while she's having heaven and heaven, I just want to see heaven and earth. And I lost my, my brother, went home to be with the Lord uh, just uh, about a month ago. And, and, and walking through that, um, I found a couple of things to be true. That sometimes the Lord is speaking when it doesn't seem like he's saying anything. I sometimes wait for the Lord to speak something to me to pull me out of whatever I'm in or whatever I'm feeling or whatever I'm walking through. And what I'm discovering is this, that often he's just pulling up a chair and sitting in it with me. And it's the most beautiful thing. Because sometimes I don't need a word, sometimes I just need the word. To be present in my suffering, to be present in whatever I'm walking through. And I think sometimes we, we think that the prophetic is always oral. It's always spoken. And I would, I would dare to challenge you in this, that sometimes the prophetic is simply the presence of God. It's simply him pulling up a chair and being with you in the moment. Jesus always has something to say because he's the word. So there's always some communication that's going on. There, there's always something that he's speaking and revealing to us. And sometimes I feel like it's, it's, sometimes it's the deep things that we don't even have a language or a verbiage for yet. And in walking this out, I remember just going, Lord, this is a tough season. I, I don't like it. And the Lord said, listen, your time with your mom is going to be greater than your time without your mom. I need you to have eternal eyes. And if you'll let the eternal speak to the internal, everything will change. 
And I'm telling you that even in the state of America, even in the, in the things that are happening in everyday life, we have to keep an eternal focus. Otherwise, we'll become a political church instead of a governmental one. And I think there's a lot of people that are exchanging political prominence or political dialogue instead of actually walking in kingdom authority. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in the political realm. What I am simply am saying is this, is we have to realize that we are part of the ecclesia of God and not the senate of man. That, that we're actually a part of the government of God and not... Are you hearing me? We're, we're from another place. You know, I, I used to quote this scripture that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I think some translations have actually spelled it out that way. But, but if you actually go to, the, to what it really says, it says that you're seated in Christ in heavenly places. So you're here, but you're not here. I'm aware that my physical body, my mind, I'm not being weird with you. I, 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 am, I am fully present. I know where I am. I know how long it took me to get here today. I was up before 4, I was out the door by 4.30, and I finally landed at 5. We got here with 16 minutes to spare and enough time to stop at Starbucks, which I like to call St. Arbucks, or you can just call it five bucks, right? So I'm, I'm fully aware that I'm here. But I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places. What, what's he saying? If I abide in you and you abide in me. We've got to come out of the visiting room of the church. We, we've actually got to get rid of this visitation mindset. That we come here and God shows up. I think it's cool that he does. But you have access 24-7, 365 days a week. You have access in your car. You have access in Hy-Vee. You have access in, 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 in Fleet Farm. You have access. Come on, I know where I'm at. You have access in Casey's. Right? Because when everything is closed, you can still get pizza at Casey's. Ask me how I know. Is it a good decision? No. But is it? <laughs> it's like it's midnight. Nothing else is open. Just enough time to make one more bad decision before bed. Right? <laughs> what I'm saying is this, is that when you understand that you're seated in Christ in heavenly places, you'll think different, you'll see different, you'll hear different, you'll feel different, and you'll know different. Because you're in it, but not of it. You're in the world, but not of the world. Which means that I'm not subject. Although I'm aware that I walk through things and I deal with stuff, the fact of the matter is, is that I'm just passing through it. On the other side of it, I'm seated in Him in heavenly places. Come on, I'm rubber, the devil's glue.
Whatever he throws at me bounces off of me and sticks to him, right? It's a beautiful thing. And what I'm saying is this, is, is that I'm not a victim in the story of what's happening right now. I, I'm not subject to the problem. Why? Because I, I'm a solutionist. The Lord is anointing us prophetically to be Holy Spirit solutionists. To hear the problem and say, here's the solution. I find it interesting it, within my own life, within my own ministry, within my own church ecosystems, I find myself frustrated. Anybody else feel yourself frustrated? Frustrated with government people, frustrated with, with economy, all of those things. And we live in this place of frustration. Can I, can I tell you something? Why would we expect non-believers to act like believers? I would just like believers to act like believers. Why wouldn't I expect government to fail in the realm of welfare, social services, feeding the poor, health care? You want to know why? Because it wasn't designed for them. Jesus said that we should heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, care for the orphan and the widow. Can I tell you something? The enemy can't usurp God's authority. That's why he's always trying to challenge yours. The enemy cannot usurp God's authority. He can't take one bit away from Jesus. That's why he's always trying to challenge yours. He's always trying to take your authority. And I'm just telling you right now that the Lord's about to release us into a season of answers. Because in the world, there's more questions than answers. But the Lord is anointing you to have an answer. Can I tell you something? The answer isn't something that you conjure up. The answer is a person, his name is Jesus on the inside of you. The, the spirit of truth. And he'll give to you the spirit of revelation, knowledge, and wisdom. And all I'm saying is sometimes we don't even realize what we have access to. And we're looking for another prophetic word when the Lord is saying, Hey, why don't you just reach up and grab a hold of what I've been speaking for 2,000 years to you. I'm not saying it as, as a point of correction to people in the room. But I believe there's an assignment where the Lord sometimes raises up prophetic voices to say, you're on an assignment in a local church, but actually your audience is broader than that. And I'm not talking about YouTube and Facebook and all of those things. What I'm saying is this, is sometimes we declare things in the atmosphere because it shifts things. I don't know how to explain it. I've, I've ministered a lot in Washington, D.C. I've been in a lot of capital cities. I've been in capitals. I, I, I minister a lot to people in government and politicians in, in both the world and in the church. But when I flew in and we landed in Des Moines, I felt this governmental anointing hit me. Like I haven't felt it in other places. And it was almost like I saw the throne of God coming and as it was landing in this region it was like shaking the grounds and I saw all these false uh, thrones just begin to crumble 
And the only way I can describe it is that there are some of you that have been contending to, to keep him in his rightful place. To see him rightly. To, to discern him rightly in this season. Is this making sense? Because there, there's more than an awakening. There's actually an awareness. I love Isaiah 60. Arise and shine for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And although darkness covers the earth, gross darkness the people, His glory will be seen upon you. Goes on to tell you about how, how kings will come to the brightness of your shining. All of, it's a beautiful thing. If you read Isaiah 60, it's all really positive promise stuff. Except in verse 2 where it says, And darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. Saying it's going to get so perverse you can't even wrap your mind around it. But when that happens, the glory of the Lord is going to rise upon you. There's going to be this shining forth. Can I tell you something? It's one thing to wake up, but it's another thing to arise. It's, another, it's one thing to be awake, and it's another thing to arise. I woke up at 3.55 this morning. As much as I would have liked to hit the snooze, I, I had to make a conscious decision that now that I'm awake, I'm going to arise. Now that I'm awake, I'm actually going to get up. And I'm telling you right now, what, what's happening is this, is that we have this enlightenment and this awakening that's happening, but now it's time to get up. It's not just time to do a Jesus march, and it's not just time to, to do all those amazing things that we're doing, but, but something happens when I actually get up and stand up into the calling and the assignment that God's put on my life. And every one of us in this room, every single one of us has that, from the youngest to the oldest. I, I love this little baby that was over here playing and screaming and all of that amazing stuff. You want to know why? Because out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants comes perfected praise. And I'm getting softer as I get older because now I'm a grandpa. So I had amazing dad jokes, but something happens when you become a grandpa. So you guys are in for a treat. I'm just telling you right now. And if you don't laugh, then bad things are going to happen. Hair's going to fall out. And I don't know, I'm just looking at you. I was just, I was just, I mean, if you feel guilty, it's because you are guilty, but no, nah, I just looked your way because I saw you know, that glory resting on you. That's what happens, a prophetic guy walks in the room and everybody's confessing their sins and like, oh, don't, you know. I, I, I like to mess with people because that's what Jesus would do. No, no, it's not, no, no. no. I like to say it like this. If you're not having fun in church, you're probably not doing church right. Because laughter does the heart good like a merry medicine. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. You want to know what Jesus is doing right now? Laughing. Oh, look what those guys are trying to legislate again. <laughs> Look what they're trying to do here. Why? Because ultimately he's saying, I know how this thing ends. And I'm just telling you right now that we're about to watch 
our Redeemer and King get his full reward. We're about to watch this outpouring of God that's going to bring salvation to nations. Do you know that you're living in the days that Jesus himself talked about when he said that you would see nations discipled in a day? Not just saved, but actually discipled in a day. Can I tell you something? I think the church has gotten a lot of people saved, but I don't know that we've actually taught people about the Lordship of Jesus. That's why we have this dysfunctional deconstruction of things right now. You know how it's easy for them to deconstruct? They never had the foundation to begin with. They were comfortable with Jesus being their savior and forgiving them of their sins. But I'm telling you that, that the lordship of Jesus Christ is, is about to be experienced by the church and the earth like we've never seen before. And he's not a monarch and he's not a dictator. He, he's a loving father. But can I tell you something? It's really important how we navigate things. I, I believe this. We, we cannot confuse stewardship and ownership We're stewards, but I don't own anything. And the moment I try to own something, I'm going to get in trouble. We steward moves of God. We, we, we steward moments like this. We steward what God is doing in the earth, what he's entrusted with us, but I don't own it. I watched it happen in moves of God where, where God sovereignly moves and man tries to take credit. God sovereignly moves and it becomes about a celebrity and a personality. And I'm telling you that we need to rightfully discern things, to discern the hour and the season that we're in. Because this next season, I believe the Lord does put honor on men. I'm honored that I get to stand in pulpits and, and preach all around the world. But I'm also aware that, that like faith was talking about today, that, that we are walking on holy ground. That, that there is this awareness of God's here and I, I don't want to mess with it. You know what I've been enjoying lately is I've gotten around some pastors who are actually becoming very comfortable with being uncomfortable. In other words, God is moving in a certain way and they don't know what to do so we don't do anything. That's more profound than what it sounded. Sometimes we, we have lost the art of lingering in what God's doing. We've lost the art of waiting with God. During 2020, I was sitting with the Lord in my favorite spot on our property of, of a creek that runs through the back. And I like to sit out there and drink coffee and just hang out with the Lord. And one day he, he asked me, uh, what are you doing? And I couldn't think of anything better to say, so I spoke Christianese to Jesus. <laughs> I'm just waiting on you, Lord. And he said, you're not waiting on me, you get to wait with me. And he actually had me change the, 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 
the position of the chair that I was sitting next to so that I could look face to face. How many know this Christian life isn't some Bette Midler Broadway musical? From a distance. But, but, but there's a knowing him face to face and heart to heart. I want to know him face to face like Moses knew him. I want to know him heart to heart like David knew him. Because in those moments, everything changes. In those moments, you become like him. I believe that the Lord is calling the church to oneness. Now, I'm not talking about the theology of oneness of Jesus only. I believe Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay? I believe three in one. uh, All of those. But there is this place of being one with him. It's a John 15 grace where if he abides in me and I abide in him. That that you become so filled with him. You become so consumed with him. You become so much like him that when people look in your eyes, they see Jesus. One of my favorite people, one of my heroes of faith, never got a chance to meet him, but Reinhard Bunke was with his ministry of music one time in Johannesburg, South Africa. And they went to a music shop to, to look at keyboards. And he said all of the workers were, were, were actually ignoring them for a bit. And they were looking at this keyboard and his ministry of music sat down and was just playing it without the volume on. He just kind of was just feeling it out. And all of a sudden the, the salesman came up to him and when he looked at Reinhardt in the eyes, after about a couple of seconds, he just began to weep. And Reinhardt said, you know, what, what's that about? And he just simply said, when I looked in your eyes, I saw Jesus. He said they didn't even buy the piano. They walked out to the car. He said he was walking to the car. Reinhardt asked the Lord, Lord, how could that be? And Jesus spoke back to him and said, Reinhardt, I live on the inside of you, and sometimes I like to look out the windows. <laughs> you go, Dave, that's really simplistic. Maybe you just got too grown up. I was talking to an amazing guy the other day, and he said, what do you think the perfect age is? I go, huh? It's obvious, 51. And he goes, no, what do you think the perfect age is, four or five? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, is the perfect age four or five? It's one of the two, four or five. You're going to have to show me in Scripture where that is, dude. A little while later, he goes, I think it's five. He said, because you're in this place of learning and playing, and you can't tell the difference. You're in this place of, you're in kindergarten, and there's learning connected to playing. And he said, I think that's the perfect age in the Spirit of not becoming so mature that you lose that childlike faith. Now, there's a difference between being childlike and childish. But there's a reason why Jesus said, unless you become like one of these little ones, you can't even enter in the kingdom of God. Because sometimes we get so full of ourselves, so full of education, so full of our our artificial intelligence. (laughs) 
That was really good, Dave. That we actually forget to enjoy him. That we actually forget to just fully depend and rely on him. Let me put it this way. I have five amazing kids. My daughter is 25. I have a son that's 22. He's married to Kelsey. They've given me a beautiful grandson named Harrison, who's, he'll be eight, uh, weeks old, or eight months old this week. I have another son, Caleb, who's 20. I have another son, Joshua, who will be 17 in November. And I have Isaac, who's 14. And they ask a lot of questions, and they ask me for a lot of stuff. But here's some things they've never asked me. Do you have enough money for the mortgage this month? Are you sure you can keep covering these cell phone bills? Can can you afford $4.25 a gallon for gas? They've never asked me any of those questions because it's not their job. They don't ever have to worry about it because I'm their father, that's my job. To protect and to provide, to, to, to meet their needs as El Shaddad. <laughs> El Shadav. And now you got a double portion of El Shadav. Makes me want to go Amy Grant on you. El Shadav, El Shadav. Don't mess with Amy, I get it. Why, why am I sharing this? It's because we're fretting. We're actually doing the things that Jesus told us not to do. Don't worry about what you will eat or where you'll sleep or what you'll wear. Consider the sparrow. And I'm worried about an election that's a few months away. I'm worried about the R word, recession. Instead of realizing there's no recession in heaven, that the devil's on a budget, but I live in abundance. The things that keep us up at night are not the things that keep Jesus up at night. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus is about to do some amazing, amazing things. I I love this scripture. I love all the scriptures. Especially the ones that speak to you and not me. No, no, I'm just just kidding. (laughs) Jesus said these words in John 16 and 33. These things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. He's saying, hey, I'm telling you all this stuff that's coming that's about to happen because it's not going to catch you off guard because it didn't catch me off guard. 
And I'm telling you all of this stuff, not so that you worry or you fret. But I'm telling you this in advance. These things I'm telling you, these things I've told you. So that in me, you will have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. And he's not talking about the great tribulation. He's not talking about pestilence of pestilence and abomination of abominations and avalanches and earthquakes. And he's saying in this life, you will have some trouble. You will have some pressure. The true translation there is pressure. In this life, you will have pressure. And I think the church doesn't know what to do with pressure. We have financial pressure. We do a fried chicken spaghetti dinner. But you need to know how to leverage pressure. Because nothing on earth is created without pressure. The chair you're sitting on was forged with pressure. That metal, that aluminum, that steel, whatever that material is that's holding up the chair underneath all the nice padded cushion stuff. Aren't you thankful for the cushion stuff? Because your spirit can only receive what your butt can handle. Can't say that on Sunday morning, but I can say it on Saturday night. He told me to take my liberty. (laughs) He regrets that decision. But that seat would not be able to hold you had it not gone through some pressure. Any mothers in the room? How did you know when it was time to give birth? You felt pressure. I have five great kids. I didn't feel a thing. I did feel the squeeze of my hand and the punch of my arm. You did this to me. Eve, how could you have eaten that fruit? You know, we we all cave under that pressure. I get it. I had a hangnail once. (laughs) Kind of like childbirth, right? Just kidding. Like on a scale of one to Dave, that's what my wife says. I'm not good with pain. But nothing is birthed without pressure. Any mothers, after you gave birth to that baby, you held it, looked at it for the first time, go, you little sucker. I have never felt pain like that before. Do you know how much pain you've caused me? You forget all about it because you're holding promise. In this life, you will have pressure. You'll have pressure. I've told you these things in advance so that in me you might have peace when all the pressure comes. 
when gas prices go up, you won't go, oh, how am I going to pay it? You start going, thank you, Jesus. I got enough to put in the, in the tank today. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Why is it important? There's a difference between being a successful church and a victorious one. Jesus is not coming back for a successful bride. He's not coming back for a successful church that fills every seat and has amazing programs. I thank God for every seat being filled and amazing programs and excellence in the house of God. But it's not what Jesus is after. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He's coming back for a church that actually knows that we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from it. I'm not fighting for peace, I'm fighting from it. I used to be in shape. Now I just am a shape. I belong to a gym, by the way. I go to Planet Fitness. Well, I don't go. I belong. And it really is a no-judgment zone. I don't judge them for taking my 21 bucks a month. And they don't judge me that I've only shown up four times in five years. It's a good working relationship. But I, I used to be in shape. I, I played football and baseball. And there were teams I had, we had history, the school has had history with, that every time you played them in their home stadium, you lost. And it just seems to be the history of 20 years or 30 years. And when you're on the bus going there, you're already going there defeated. Because every time we played there over the last 20 years, we always lost. There were other teams we went to, and every time we went to their stadium or they came to ours, we always won. And you entered that game completely with a different mindset and attitude than those places that you had history of losing. I just pulled a Jedi mind trick on you. Again, it's Saturday night, not Sunday morning. So it's, here's what I'm saying to you. Is that the Lord wants you to know that you are an overcomer because he already overcame. So it's not something they're fighting for. You're actually fighting from. You may be in the battle, but he's already won the war. Why am I saying this to you? It's prophetic perspective. It's not my opinion. It's actually, the, it's actually the words of Jesus. It's actually the prophetic thing that the Lord's bringing us into in this hour. And I'm just telling you right now, the Lord's calling us not to cave under pressure, performance pressure, people pressure, culture pressure, religious pressure. And you win it by kingdom over culture. There, there's some amazing things that God's doing right now on the earth. And he wants to do them with you. Can I tell you something? There's reasons why I pause, and it's because I feel the weight of God come in the room. 
And some of us right now, the Lord's about to get us used to living under the weight of his presence and his glory because we've been too concerned with the pace of how we're running things. So we're measuring by how fast we're going and how quick we're growing when the Lord is saying that the, the true measurement is the weight of the glory of God that you can carry. I believe the Lord's called those of us in this room tonight and in this region to be those that, like Jeremiah talked about, who knew how to stand in the counsel of the Lord. And I'm telling you right now that there's going to come this moment of standing in the counsel of the Lord where where you're just going to receive the information, the revelation of God. It's just going to flow. Is this making sense to you tonight? Faith, there is an anointing coming upon you. And the best way I can describe it, it's what was upon the Nazarites, upon the John the Baptists, and upon Jesus, and upon those that were just wholly set apart. And it wasn't just holy in action, it was wholly given, like wholehearted. And even before you said anything tonight, I just watched you, you, you worship and you went over here and prayed for somebody. The, the Lord just showed me this wholeheartedness that everything you do, you do it with your whole heart. And I just felt like the Lord said that, that there is an anointing coming upon you that, that actually brings streams together to flow into one river. I saw you bring mission, people that have been in missions, people that have been in intercession, people in the worship stream, evangelism stream. It's like everybody's got their own lane. And I, it's like there's this gift on the inside of you that actually brings a merging of people and ministries together. And, and I will tell you this, that there is not... Uh, There is no desire on the inside of you for any kind of fame, fortune, or notoriety. Like there is a desire in you that would actually prefer to be hidden. But I'm telling you right now that there is this this voice on the inside of you that's going to release an awakening of generations. That what you're carrying is multi-generational. It goes up to older generations and down to younger generations. And I just felt like the Lord was just showing me, he just showed me this picture that you're, you continually chopped wood. And I asked the Lord what, what it was about, and he said that um, he lights the fire, but we have to maintain it. And I feel like that you have been careful to make sure that there's always been fire on the altar. And I just feel like there, there's this thing that you would desire the least is coming upon you in this season. It's called promotion. And the Lord is actually releasing you into a season of kingdom promotion. And so, Lord, I just thank you for miracles that have been hanging over faith that are now coming upon her. That have been, I just feel like that you've almost been in the swirl, like you've known that it's there. But I, I saw the Lord bringing things in for a landing. Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. Here's where we're moving. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is. I didn't even put those two things together to you. Don't you love the Lord the way he sets things up? I'm actually not that gifted. Can, can we stop reading that scripture passively? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. It's really like this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I have an amazing friend who's a pastor in a major city in New York City. And he is a revival guy and a faith guy. And, and there was this amazing gift on his life that he could, if he would teach on faith, miracles would happen, people would get healed, giving would explode. And he, with no manipulation, it was just God came in the room, amazing things happened. Right before everything changed in about 2019 into 2020, he came and spent a few days with me and, and he was... He was down, he was downcast, he was frustrated in ministry and we were just driving through the hills by where I live and he goes, man, I used to talk about faith and all this stuff would happen and he says, now I even mention faith and it's like you feel the wind go out of the room, people put up their walls, they don't wanna hear it, I get so much hate mail whenever I talk about it and he said, what do you think's happening? And the Lord said, the people have lost faith because they have no hope and faith begins with hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Proverbs 13, 21. Proverbs make, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Revelation alert. I don't believe we have a faith failure in America. I feel people have lost their hope. And hope deferreds make the heart sick. If that was the end of the scripture, that'd be really sad. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Every one of us is called to something. And here's what I know for sure every one of us is called to in this season. Healing ministry. The Lord is anointing us to be healers of hope. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is about to heal the hope of America because Jesus is the hope of America. He's about to heal your hope of calling. There are some of you in the room today and you feel like you've missed your moment of visitation, that you missed your moment of calling because now you're older or now you missed a moment, you didn't say yes in time. Can I, God wants to break that off of you tonight because there's no expiration date on the promises of God. Are you hearing me? I deal with people all the time who say, man, it's, the Lord was doing some things and then it just seemed like everything stopped all at once and, and what do you think happened? 
I just say what I, I tell them what I would tell myself. Go to the last place of dis- uh, disobedience or disappointment, repent of it, and pick up your promise and move on. And some of us right now, because when you're in the midst of it, when you're in the thick of it, we want to complain to people instead of conversing with God. And the Lord's about to bring us into a season of having our hope healed so that, uh, that we could become healers of hope. I don't want to preach past the moment tonight. But I feel like something just came in the room. I like those moments, rah, 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 rah. You know what I love about Midwesterners? You can't fake you out. In other words, the Lord's given great discernment to us. He's given great discernment to us that we can decipher between holy and hype. I've had some emotional experiences in church that didn't change me. But I've had encounters with God that changed me every time. So we can't confuse the holy and the hype. But when I was prophetically speaking about some things to come, we got all excited. In order for that to happen, there's going to be some healing in the room tonight. Because here's what happens sometimes in prophetic meetings. You're like, heard that before. Been waiting on that since 1987. I heard that in 1992. I thought that was going to happen in 2001. I thought for sure in 2016, 2020, the year of vision. And every time something doesn't happen on our calendar or our clockwork, we shift to this hope deferred. And God wants to heal it tonight. There's a demonic abortionist called disappointment. And the Lord's come to heal disappointment. I've seen crazy miracles. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen where there were no eyes in the socket, the Lord create eyeballs. I watched a little boy that didn't have a nose, just two holes, and the Lord created a beautiful nose. I watched a boy with a stub have his, his arm and fingers and everything grow out from the, from the elbow. I watched a four-year-old boy that was dead for six hours raised from the dead. I watched a little baby that was dead for two and a half hours come back to life and be raised from the dead. So when I tell you that I've seen things, I've seen things. But if I were to put a percentage on it, I've, I've not seen it more than I've seen it. 
How many know that's tension for me? Because I know who I've believed and I'm persuaded that he's able. Can, can anybody relate to this? You've seen the mighty hand of God. And yet, to be honest, I've not seen it more than I've seen it. But I've seen it once. And because I've seen it once, I know what's possible in my lifetime. And I know that there's coming a day where the days of hit and miss Christianity are coming to an end. I think the answer is actually 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and not platforms or likes or followers or fan clubs or big buildings and big paychecks. It actually comes with pursue love and desire spiritual gifts and not mixing those those two things up. I believe often that we're actually pursuing spiritual gifts while desiring to be loved. But if you pursue love, if your only desire is you love God and you love people, you will probably be prophetically accurate 100% of the time. People you pray for will probably be healed more, than, more times than not. Just my holy hypothesis. I'll have to look that up later. I've seen all kinds of things. Let me just share this and I'll close, which means you have about 17 minutes. But Casey's is open. (laughs) My pastor was my spiritual dad. He was amazing to me. He was raising me up in ministry on August 19th, 1999, so just 23 years ago, yesterday, it was a Sunday night, it was a back to school Sunday night, and for the first time ever, I got a word for everybody, 150 people. And my pastor and his son looked at each other and go, oh my goodness, David's not a pastor, he's a prophet. And they knew what to do with me. Because my whole life, I just thought I was crazy. Turns out I wasn't crazy, I was just prophetic. (laughs) Some of you, that's revelation to you. Explains why you've not been understood. Why people didn't know how to receive you, respond to you, or receive from you. I lived with him. He performed my wedding with me and my wife. He dedicated my babies, he traveled with me. and I used to go with him, and then he traveled with me. And whenever I went, he never said, where are you going? He always said, where are we going? Even if I was the only one getting on a plane, getting stuck in Atlanta, I'm way to Iowa. Because <laughs> he knew that what I was a part of was bigger than the part I played. And he knew that some go, some send, some pay, some pray, but we all get the same reward. 
that every joint was supplying. He was pastoring, I was prophesying, and it was beautiful. We were on a trip together to Connecticut, and I noticed something wasn't right with him physically. He was getting sick on the airplane, uh, kept having to leave the meetings, and we went back home. You know, he told me he was okay. A few days later, I'd gone on a trip. I came back, and um, he said, something to tell you, I've got uh, two uh, tumors in my colon, and they said it's stage four. And then he went on to talk about something else. And I was like, can we come back to that? <laughs> and we just believed it. And we watched the Lord just dissolve those two tumors. A year later, it came back in his liver and back into the same kind of thing. And we prayed and believed God. I was standing on the scripture, Psalm 118, you're going to live and not die. You're going to prophesy, declare the word of the Lord. I'd say, come on, pastor. I need you to come with me. We've got to go to Australia. We've got to go to Ankeny. And in May, he was preaching on Mother's Day. Pain hit him so bad, he just handed me the, the, the service and I had to pick up what, where he was preaching and continue on. That was cool. Not that he got pain, but I could actually pick up. Because I knew him so well, I could finish his message. He went to the hospital that day and never came back out. And when they moved him to hospice, another prophet in our church came to me and he said... Um, what do you want me to tell people? Because people are talking. Some people are saying you're a false prophet. Some people said you gave false hope. Some people said that, you know, you said this. And, and I said, I don't care. Just tell them whatever you want to. And he said, no, I'm not going to tell them anything. We need to see this through eternal eyes. That he's a seed and we're his seeds. And so what he's carrying doesn't die with him. Which helped me, but still hurt. I, my last words to my pastor were, Lord, Pastor, I, I'm supposed to go to the Netherlands uh, tomorrow, but I don't want to go. I just want to stay with you. And he said, go do what God called you to do and what I helped train you to do. And I landed in the Netherlands on June the 8th of 2014 with my wife and my daughter. It's Pentecost Sunday. We were just unpacking, getting settled, and I received the phone call that he'd, he'd passed. He'd gone home to be with the Lord. Told the pastor I was ministering for in Holland, and he said, "Can you still preach?" I said, I, "I think so. I just need to get with the Lord." And so I told the Lord, "Lord, I'm going to preach anything you want me to preach today. I'm just not going to preach on healing." See what I did there? <laughs> and what you just did was kind of his response. <laughs> and Lord said, "That's a great idea. You should preach on healing." So I created this amazing message on the prophetic. We're in worship. All of a sudden this guy comes in, about six foot seven Dutch guy, goes to the pastor, says, do you believe in miracles here? The guy says, yeah, I see them all the time. Points to me. This guy really sees them. Guy says, good. My wife is in the car. Uh, we just come from the emergency room. She's six months pregnant. They said the baby's dead on the inside of her. And if they don't get the baby out, she's going to die. He said, go get, uh, go get her. And so he went to get his wife. I went to the bathroom. I will tell you that I believed in healing. I just didn't have the faith for it that day. Or maybe I lost my hope in it. Maybe my hope was deferred or detoured. So he brings his wife in. Mateus asks for me. 
I'm hiding out in the bathroom. I don't have to go. I'm just sitting there. Usher comes in doing what ushers do. They ush. In case you never knew what an usher was, they ush. And he's ushing me. He's pounding on the stall door. He says, David. I said, Dave's not here. He's in Ankeny. Dave's not here. He goes, Mateus wants you. I said, tell Mateus I ain't coming. He goes out. He comes back. Mateus wants you. I said, tell Mateus I ain't coming. He sends her a pound on the door. He says, Mateus wants you and told me that if you don't come out, I have to take this door off. <laughs> so I came out and I decided I was going to be Mateus's catcher. So I was just going to get behind, let him, him put himself out there. Him say that he's, she's going to be healed and all that stuff. And I'm just going to catch him if they fall. So Mateus prays his prayer. What's up, dude? I like your truck. It's awesome. Oh, that's cool. I like it. And none of it bothers the Holy Spirit at all. You get all weirded out. Shh. Jesus is like, I'd like to push the truck with him. So Matthias prays his prayer and I'm standing behind him and then Matthias tries to hand me the microphone. I said, no. He said, yes. I said, no. He said, yes. I said, no. He said, yes. Figured he didn't understand my English, so I said, nay. No in Dutch. He said, yeah. <laughs> so I was going to pray where my measure of faith was that day. It's a simple prayer. Some of us have prayed it before. It requires no faith at all. Oh, Lord, if it be thou thy will. But instead, this came out. The Lord said that you're going to carry this baby to full term. She's going to be healed. You're going to be healed. You're going to carry the baby to full term. The day she's born, she's not going to come out crying. She's going to come out singing. The doctors and the nurses who know this story are going to weep. They're going to give their life to the Lord because they're going to watch a miracle right before their eyes. Your father, who you've been estranged from, is going to come the day she's born, going to hold her about 6 o'clock in the afternoon. That's how specific the word was. Never gave him a word like that going to hold her and it's going to restore him to the Lord and to your family. And then I tried to preach a message on the prophetic that didn't work. So I talked about healing. Can I give you a side note a minute? My default, are we going to actually lead the church by default or by design? We all have our default buttons. For two years, most of the church let the circumstances dictate the default button. Okay, we'll just kind of go this way. Instead of actually leading by design. Does that, does that make sense? I have a default button. It's called the prophetic. So if I don't know what to do in a meeting, I just start prophesying. Even when I do know what to do in the meeting, I normally start prophesying. I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It was a Sunday night. 
And I was preaching and these people have known me for a long period of time and they know that if you come, I'll prophesy the paint off of the walls. And that time I gave a word to everybody in the room. Now I'm older and smarter. Um, but And so I start moving. I preach my message. I go to start moving prophetically. And the Lord goes, I'm not in the mood for that. What do you mean? I'm prophet. You're the God who speaks. You talk. I prophesy. Then we go to Perkins. <laughs> Calm down, Sparky. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'll buy you some at Perkins because that went very nice. I'm just messing. It really means I like you. What he's saying is, you're going way too long, dude. It's time to go to Perkins. Is that the interpretation of those tongues? No, no. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. Come back, Holy Spirit. Okay. So I asked the question, Lord, what are you in the mood for? He said, healing. Here's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm trying to get across. Sometimes we get comfortable in our usual and we call it normal. But it's just our usual. Because sometimes the Lord's in the, he's actually in the mood for something different. Back to the story. Three months later, September 11th, 2014, I get an email with a picture of little baby Zoe. When she was born, they said it's like she came out singing instead of crying. And the doctor and the nurse who knew their journey that delivered her both wept and gave their life to the Lord. Dad showed up at six o'clock, held the baby, began to wait, saw, saw the miracle in his granddaughter, reunited him to the Lord and to his family. Here's, here's why I'm saying this to you. It's not David Wagner show and tell. I'm being vulnerable and transparent with you. I would call that one of my greatest miracles that I've ever seen. And it came where I felt like I didn't have any faith at all. Can I put it in plain prophetic language for you? Don't worry about what you don't have yet. Start with what you do have yet. Start with that measure of faith. Start with that mustard seed of faith. Does that make sense? Some of us right now in this room, we enjoy watching healings and miracles in meetings. We love when the prophetic gifts are in operation. We love when those nine gifts of the spirit are operating in other people. But when it comes to us, there's this fear of being disappointed. And so we just stay locked up and the gifts stay wrapped. And I believe the Lord is saying, it's time to open those things up. The Lord is opening up the floodgates of the heaven 
over the state of Iowa. He's opening the floodgate of heaven over Iowa City and Des Moines and, and, and Ottumwa. He's opening it up to Okaboji. I go, do you understand that I actually go to Iowa on vacation? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Our favorite family place, Iowa. Because we can make it sound Southern, even in the Midwest, Iowa. God's put you on the map. My firstborn niece went to college in Iowa and never came back to Chicago. The nerve. (laughs) Married a corn pig and soybean farmer. Elders in a church, Waverly, Iowa. Way relieved, right? No, I'm just kidding. That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. (laughs) Let me just say these things that I wrote down during worship. The Lord is opening the floodgates of the balm of Gilead. And he's releasing it over the state of Iowa. And you're about to watch healing in the streets. He's releasing the Isaiah 58 anointing. That he's anointing you to restore streets in which to dwell. You're going to take places from desolate to delightful. Come on, I think that's amazing. We we were singing this song earlier. My, My sister up here was actually singing it prophetically. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise the standard. Can Can I tell you something? If you, if you actually read what that scripture is, it, it really reads like this. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise the standard. Can you handle one more story? We had a flood at our house, Palm Sunday of 2021. You're like, dude, I'm going to stay away from this guy. People dying, people, floods, rumors of floods, right? (laughs) Sometimes you go through it. But the cool thing is you get to go through it. I was gone. I was up in David's tent in Washington, D.C. That's some good news for you. For over 10 years, praise and worship and prayer has gone on for 10 years on the mall. Not at the mall, on the mall. Some women got real excited. They were like, at the mall, what? <laughs> I came home that night to the hotel, the Hilton in Washington, D.C. I called home and my wife said, man, it's been raining like crazy and there's water coming up onto, the, onto our porch and I think we're going to have to get out of here. While I'm on the phone with her, a neighbor and some friends called. They said, is everything all right? I said, I'm out of town, but I think Molly needs some help. And man, they just converged on my house. And they they showed up in their big redneck truck. Aren't you thankful for rednecks? (laughs) Lifted trucks. Ho, 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 ho. Right? You lift me up. No, no. 
and, and so they showed up and they rescued my, my, my family. They got her car out before it flooded, everything. Real cool thing. I flew in the next morning. It looked like a bomb went off. And I'm standing there in the mud. I go, Lord, this is a mess. And he said, if you, if you give me your eyes, I'm going to show you a miracle in the mess. I'm trucking around mud up to my knees, just... And all I got is this word from the Lord. There's a miracle in your mess. There's a 1976 Ford pickup truck just the bed in my front yard. Don't know where it came from. Kind of like the Holy Spirit. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm going to have to check this guy's theology. I'm just seeing if you're still awake. So we have a neighbor, and that neighbor's hated us from the day we moved in. First morning we were there, we wake up in our new property, Franklin, Tennessee. Me and my wife are walking the property. We're thankful, drinking coffee. Thank you, Lord, for our new house. Our neighbor comes out. She goes, just so you know, I don't like you. I don't know you. don't want to know you. In fact, let's just assume I hate you. She starts telling us how many people have died in front of our house on the road. It was this whole thing. But how many of you need to be careful that you don't curse what you ask for? You don't curse the promise that you actually ask God for. Because circumstances and situations don't look like the promise yet. And so like she was constantly giving hand gestures and it wasn't like thumbs up. Hey, neighbor. (laughs) She was sending birds. I don't know what that means. I'm assuming you Iowa folks haven't always been saved from that response. Like she would just cuss us out for no apparent reason. She'd stand just tormented on her back porch. The flood happens. My friends come back Sunday morning. And my one friend says, hey, I think we need to to put up her fence. And I'm like, that's a really good idea. Not to keep her out, but to keep her dogs in. (laughs) Another friend starts a chainsaw and starts cutting down her fallen trees. And we start putting up the, the, the fence. And she comes running out, charging at me. What are you doing? What are you doing? I said, Kim, we love you. Before I do anything to my own yard or house, we're going to take care of yours first. She goes, I've hated you. I've cussed at you. I've cursed you. And you're still going to love me. You're going to help me. I said, absolutely. Changed everything. By noon, she was eating fajitas with us. <laughs> Six o'clock showed back up with two 12-packs. Now I know who's not always been saved. Because they were tacos. Twelve soft, twelve hard shell. Pastor, you got some work to do. Told you, prophets are the policemen of the church. 
I didn't even tell on you. You told on yourselves. Some of you like me. Some of you ain't coming tomorrow. I can tell. Now she sees me. She waves. She stops me on my lawnmower just to talk. And that was my first miracle out of my mess. We had to demo the whole house, replace all the floors, redig the crawl space. I'm standing there watching these guys work and I'm going, Lord, this is a mess. Lord, I'm going to show you the miracle in the mess. Because you can look at America right now and go, that's a mess. You look at the state house, the courthouse, the white house, the, you can look at all of it and go, that's a mess. But the Lord's about to show you the miracle in the mess. If you've been in this place of disappointment, even to the point where you don't want to hear another stinking prophetic word. Kind of odd to say in a prophetic meeting. But if you know what I'm talking about, just be honest. I'm a prophet and sometimes I don't want to hear another prophetic word because I'm focused on the ones that haven't come to pass yet. And I'm focused on what I'm seeing in the natural and not on what he said in the spirit. And if you've been in that place of disappointment, I want you to stand to your feet. That thing's going to break off of you. There's going to be new sales that are going to be set. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.